Welcome to Rotman Marketing Podcast, hosted by Rotman Marketing Association, where we bring marketing thought leadership to aspiring marketing leaders. I'm Christine Zhu. And I'm Conrad Bobino. So uh, today we are very lucky here to have David Burdock and Keely Evans. Uh, both second-year MBA students have uh, secured summer internships and full-time offers at General Mills for Dave and P&G for Keely. We're excited to have uh, them both here to share their on-campus recruiting experience. Uh, David and Keely, welcome and thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank Good to you. be here. Great. So perhaps um, you guys could start by telling us a bit about yourself. You know, what were you working on before and why did you decide to come into your MBA at Rotman? So maybe we'll start with Keely, ladies first. Sure. Uh, so I um, was working in Alberta um, at a bank uh, as a product manager, um, so marketing but more on kind of the product um, pricing pieces in marketing. Um, I got to a point where we were doing a new banking system project and we were shut down from all new product development, so it was a good time to leave the job and I, want, I always wanted to do my MBA, so the timing was good. Um, moved out to Toronto um, and then... Uh, still wanted to continue on in marketing, so made that my focus um, during first year. Great, David. Yeah, so I worked at a marketing agency in Toronto that specialized in sponsorship marketing, and um, we were exposed to a lot of brand teams when we were working with different sponsorship properties, and it was at that point I thought that uh, brand management might be a really good spot for me. Spoke to a few people about what the best way to get into that would be. Uh, realized it was to go do an MBA, and that's when I decided to come to Rotman. Nice. Um, so, obviously, uh, this is a very important time of the year for the first years. You're going to start networking. You're going to start uh, interviewing. And I just wanted to understand a little bit more about how the interview process uh, was for you, too. I know, clearly that a PNG happens very early, but I also understand it's a very unique process, right? And David, you can also give us some of your insights on how you prepped or how, how it was to interview for um, General Mills. So maybe you want to start? Sure, yeah. So um, General Mills was, uh, I guess the main way I prepped was speaking to uh, second-year students who had interned there the previous summer and also speaking to a woman named T who came into the school um, who had worked at General Mills and just really getting their perspective on what General Mills was looking for. So I really tailored all my preparation around that. I knew that their leadership was the thing that was really important to them, so I made sure I had a really good, strong story about leadership. Um, I knew that they just wanted someone who had a general knowledge of the marketing uh, kind of ecosystem, so I made sure I understood the Canadian marketing system really well and had some good stories about that. So it was really... Um, highlighting my experience and skills and knowledge through the lens of knowing what General Mills was looking for. Let me just uh, take a, a, a stab at something you just mentioned, the, the leadership experience that, that, that General Mills asked, right? Mm. This is a very common theme uh, for any marketing positions to ask you about your experiences. And I've met some first years who were not exactly sure how their own experiences could translate into leadership. They, they say they never had a team or anything in that sense. Could you maybe give us some tips on how, how did you ever lead a huge team that you 
talked about your experience or was it something outside of school? How yeah. You about it? So I, I think that one thing is, and I've heard that from some first years too, I think a big thing is you don't always have to think so big. I think a lot of these companies understand that you're at a pretty early part in your career and you probably haven't led a team of a hundred people yet in your career. So I think it's a little unrealistic. If you have a story like that, that's great. But if not, I don't think it's, it's a terrible thing. Uh, my story was, uh, you know, it was a fairly simple thing that I tried to convey to them. And this was, they asked for a cover letter about leadership. Um, my story was about um, how at my agency, I realized that our IT system was pretty poor and that was kind of outside the scope of my job, but I thought that I could save the company money by looking into some other IT systems and really leading the charge there. Um, so not a huge thing. I wasn't leading an enormous team. I wasn't leading anyone. I just took some initiative and did something on my own. And I think that story resonated with them. So, yeah, I don't think it has to be such a big, uh, grandiose example. Amazing. Killian, uh, tell us a little bit about the uniqueness of PNG's recruitment process. Uh, so, I think the biggest thing that's unique about PNG is that you don't actually meet a person until you get to the third round. Um, so, they start it with an online test. Um, it's a combination of personality and then kind of like an IQ test with pattern recognition. Um, it's the main area where they filter out most of their candidates. Only 10% uh, of the people pass that test. Um, and then if you pass that test, you go on to a written exam, which is a lot like the GMAT. Um, so verbal, uh, numerical, more pattern recognition. You pass that test. Um, they typically have another filter, um, but it's more of an informal filter. So for my year, it was a networking session. Um, and they called it a networking session slash mock interview, but they cut the group down by half after that. Um, and then we had our first round interview. Um, the first round interview was with uh, either brand manager level or people who've been with the company for five or more years. Um, so two interviewers and about an hour, mostly behavioral questions. Um, PNG is really famous for probing on their questions. So a question, they'll go really deep and they'll be like, why? Why do you think that was? How do you think that was? Explain more. Um, so a question can take like 10 to 15 minutes for a single question. Um, and then from there, if you pass that round, you went on to a final round interview uh, with two people again um, who are like director level in the Canada office. Um, and then from there, they made offers for summer internship. It's quite interesting. You mentioned that they really try to probe on the, on the questions and on your explanations. Uh, how did you prepare to, to have those stories concise and making sense? So similar to David, I prepped a lot with second years who had worked at PNG um, during the summer. Um, so doing mock interviews. I think the other real key thing was um, actually picking stories that were deep um, and that I knew really well and that were real. Uh, if you if you make up a story, it's really hard to actually come up with the probing details. Um, the PNG, similar to General Mills as well, is really big on leadership. I think any CPG marketing company is going to be big on leadership. Um, so there's lots of questions on leadership, um, but then for them as well, they're really big on analytics. Um, so the analytics questions especially, those are one of the ones where it can start to get confusing when you go deep. So really trying to think about how you can simplify your answers as I went through and testing out my, my answers um, with people, whether it be second years or whether it be my partner um, with our career coach and just making sure that my answers made sense. And I think it's a great point to... Um point out at this point that, you know, when you talk about informal interviews, there's really no such thing as an informal interview because maybe the process looks informal, but clearly they're still evaluating you, right? Uh, so 
obviously you guys have had successful experiences and you've landed a full-time offer um, but what about experiences that didn't quite work out for you uh, you know interviews that you did that didn't lead to an offer what do you think were some key learnings from those that you eventually improved for the next time that you know worked out uh, maybe we'll start with you David yeah I think that um, something that Kiwi touched on um, not necessarily making up stories, but knowing your stories really well. I think that P&G definitely does a lot of probing, but I think you know every interview you're gonna have is gonna do a certain extent of probing. And I think when you're gonna get tripped up is when you don't know your own story inside and out. I think that um, that's just an enormous thing because if you think about it from the perspective of an interviewer, if they're asking you detailed questions about a story that you went through and you don't have a really strong answer for that, even if the story is completely true, it just doesn't look right. It doesn't seem like you came prepared. Um, so that's one thing. And then I would say the next thing is um, not going overboard with your stories and being really succinct. Um, I think that even interviewers have a finite attention span and that if you just keep talking and talking and talking, they're going to check out and it's really going to deter from your answer, even if it's a good one. Right. Yeah. And for me, um, I like luckily PNG was the first one to come to campus. Um, so I secured that was the first internship I applied for and I got it. Um, but kind of what I would say is just like David said, know your stories really well um, and show up really well and be prepared. But in the end too, if you if you don't land an interview, sometimes it's about fit. And if it doesn't fit for them, it likely won't fit for you either. So keeping that in mind, I think is important. Yeah, and something that you mentioned, I thought it was very interesting, the, the whole networking session of PNG that half of the people got, um, I don't know, they, they didn't uh, made it through that step. So I, I was just wanting to understand a little bit more. What was your approach knowing that was, uh, at one point, there was an inter there was a networking session, so you had to be uh, friendly and calm and talk to people. But at the same time, you had to behave as a professional, right? How what was your mindset getting into that? Because I think it's really uh, applicable not only for networking sessions uh, like the one you've been a part of, but also coffee chats, right? Yeah, fair enough. I think my approach going into that was to be myself um, and to be casual and prepping with with first years. I've heard a lot of this talk of I'm not prepared for that I haven't practiced that answer yet um, but they're your stories and you should always be ready to tell them and just being authentic and being yourself um, and being comfortable um, I think goes a long way um, and not letting the ner your nerves get the better of you uh, I think the other thing that I did in that session is we were rotating between um, doing mock interviews and um, networking with people who had worked there previously um, and I found like, quite a few people were kind of clustered um, just in groups of students um, and there were several of us who were actually talking to the people who'd worked there that summer so I think that's helpful as well. That's great. Uh, so what do you guys think are some uh, on-campus recruiting resources that you found most useful to you? Uh, you know whether it's for networking or for recruiting, for preparation, you know it could be the career coach or info sessions, um, what did you find that were really useful for you? Yeah, I mean, personally, I found um, second-year students to be the most powerful resource. They're um, the closest to the process. They've just been through it. And I find that that insight, um, their insight, is something that you can gain a lot from. Um, just having, you know, your career, uh, your career advisors are great, and they'll be able to give you great information. 
but they're not as close to the process as second year students. Um, so yeah, to me, that was the, the most powerful resource. Yeah, and so when you're reaching out to second years, or when you were, um, do you have any best practices that you would like to share first years on how to approach and how to say hi, goodbye, or anything in that sense? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just the same way you'd approach any sort of networking thing. Um, you know, you, you want to be friendly, you want to be um, very respectful of their time and that they're going out of their way to do you a favor. Um, so, you know, a quick thank you note after a meeting goes a long way. Um, and yeah, and you just want to be yourself and be natural. I think that anyone, when they're interacting with you, whether it's a second year student or your career advisor or um, an interviewer, they want to see the real you. They don't want to see kind of a facade. So I think it's be yourself and be courteous are just the two simple big things. Yeah. And what did you find useful for you, Kelly? Yeah, similar similar to David, I used the where I worked last summer um, list um, to figure out who had spent the summer at PNG, um, and I met with those people. And you meet with different people who've worked with the organization, and you're probably going to find someone you click with a little bit more. Um, so when I found that person, I did my prep with them. Um, and I found that really helpful and taking their feedback, I think is really important. Like if make the time to ask them if they'll do a mock with you, um, cause that's really, really valuable. Um, and if they give you feedback, listen to it. Um, because in the end they're the ones they manage to get through the screening process, um, and be authentic to you as well. I remember I had, um, some prep with my career coach and something just really didn't feel right about me, uh, to me, um, and I went the other way and, um, and it felt more natural for me in the interview because I did decide to s stick to what felt better um, and more natural to me. Well, uh, both of you mentioned a lot about mock interviews, right, and, and trying to make sure you have your stories right, and I agree with David. I've had a few sec uh, first years talking to me and they have sometimes great stories, but it's very hard to follow. They go everywhere. Um, it's just a lot of information that you maybe not necessarily want to know. So what would be your advice on making those stories concise and clear and compelling? I think that one of the hardest things is dropping the jargon. Like I worked in banking, that's as jargony as it gets. Um, and keeping it simple, what, what may seem really clear to you and as necessary information is probably not necessary to someone else. So part of the benefits of mocks, I find, is trying your stories on someone who's not familiar with the industry you worked in or with the story, because then you're really going to be able to get down to if it's clear and linear, um, and actually taking kind of a linear path through your stories, I find, is super helpful um, in terms of like actually understanding what you did and why you did it and how it worked out for you. Yeah, uh, similar things. I've, I've done a couple mock interviews with first-year students, and sometimes I find that their stories, the context part takes, you know, I find that I'm listening to them for five to 10 minutes and I'm still getting the context of the situation. I think if you're giving a story that takes that much time to set up, it might not be a worthwhile story. I just think that um, you either have to find a way to shorten that context to make it really clear or use a different story. Because again, um, people only have a finite attention span and eventually it's just going to seem too jumbled up to them and they're not going to be able to follow it anymore. Yeah, no, and, and I completely agree with that, especially because let's say if uh, David, you and I are just having coffee and you give me a complex story, I think it's fine. We're just like chatting and if I forget some of the details, it's fine. But an interviewer is going to be listening maybe to the 10th or 12th or 20th story 
And if you don't catch their attention right away, they just might doze off. Yeah, and I mean, communication is such an important thing uh, in the jobs they're hiring for that they're automatically going to think, well, if this person had all this time to prepare these stories and can't communicate to me exactly what's going on, how are they going to be able to communicate, you know, a complicated business plan to a director? Like, that's always where their mind's going to go. So you just want to keep things simple. Even if you think that it might not be as strong of a story, if it's more simple, it will probably come off better in an interview. Okay, so those are great advice. Um, so now let's maybe talk about your summer internships. You know, what did you do uh, at the company? What kind of projects did you work on? And we'll start with Keely. Yeah, so P&G has a pretty structured... Um, internship. Mine was actually four months long. It sounds like they've shortened it this summer. Um, but uh, we spent our first two weeks in training. So it was a lot of sitting in a classroom and learning about how to use their analytics systems. Um, and then we had a work plan that had six projects on it. Um, PNG is famous for what they call their one-page recommendation format. Um, so a lot of the summer was working on each of those six projects um, and developing a one-page recommendation, presenting it to um, the brand management team, um, as well as senior leadership. Um, I got the chance to implement one of my projects, which was really interesting, but they were kind of spanning areas of developing um, launch plans for new products that were coming out, looking at some brands that were struggling and trying to figure out kind of what low-hanging fruit there was there, um, working on some of the tools that we had available and how to actually operationalize them within the group. Um, I worked on fabric care, so I got lucky that I was on the largest team um, in the brand group at P&G Canada, um, and we also had a lot of resources there as well and a lot of attention, um, so there was a lot of really interesting projects that I got to work on during the summer. So following up on um, you, know, you implementing one of your projects, how do you feel about the amount of autonomy that you have in a company that is you know, very structured? Yeah, so I think one of the great things about being a brand manager um, at PNG, and I'm sure this is true to other CEPG companies, you really are the owner of that brand. And as a summer intern, not necessarily. You're working on a lot of different brands that span. Um, but as a brand manager, you own the results for your brand. You own what's out in the market for your brand. And even being in Canada, where you're getting fed a lot of that stuff up from the U.S., you still own approving with the agency. Um, what the creative is um, and approving what's being put into the media plan and that's going on TV and is in print um, and kind of what the where you're allocating your money to where you're spending more money um, to get people aware of what your brand is and where it is and what what you're focusing on at that time that is really the brand owner's responsibility right and what about your summer David yeah so uh, similar to Keely I was working on one of the bigger teams at General Mills the serial team um, Conrad's shaking his head because he, he wasn't working on as big of a team, but he had a really cool project as well. Um, so yeah, so kind of how my summer started was uh, we didn't have a formal training like Keeley. Uh, they kind of throw you in a little bit more. Um, so I was kind of given four projects that I would be was told I would be working on throughout the summer. Um, and the projects were given to me based on the fact that through the four, I would kind of touch on all the different functions and cross-functional teams throughout the company um, and would get a chance to interact with all of them. Um, as the summer went on, it became clear that my, the biggest project I was working on was the launch of gluten-free Cheerios in Canada. So that was kind of a cool thing. Um, and yeah, so the, I mean, the summer really went in a gradual process of it seemed like it was four months long as well and it seemed like every month I had a little bit more responsibility I was taking on a little bit bigger part of the project I was working on 
And then it was culminated with a uh, presentation to all the directors in the last, uh, the last week of my internship about what I had done that summer and what I had accomplished. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I really felt like by the end of it, I had met a ton of people in the company from all cross-functional teams of finance and operations and sales. Um, so that was a really cool part of it. Um, and yeah, and, and like I said at the start, they really kind of just throw you in there and you, you get a lot of autonomy. At times it felt like maybe a little too much autonomy, but I think that's a good thing and that's kind of how you grow. And uh, so I think it would be very valuable to, to, to get your insights on how to make the best of that summer experience. It's very short term. You might be able to, as you mentioned, David, touch on some different projects, but you really are not going to make, uh, you're not going to change the world. Right, mm -hmm. but how do you make not only that valuable to the company? I think you both touched on that subject. You're just putting a lot of effort and make sure uh, things are going well. But how do you make it the best for yourself? And maybe a little bit of how this, the things you learned in your first year, helped you getting around to that, Kili. So I think one of the biggest things that I focused on during the summer was I felt it's like a four month long interview, and it's not only them interviewing you, it's also you interviewing them and filling out if that's a place you want to sign a full-time offer. So a big thing that I tried to do during the summer to accomplish that was meet with a lot of people, different people in the organization, feel out what brand teams I would want to work on, what brand teams I might not want to work on, um, figure out kind of what the different brand managers were like in the groups. Um, uh, there were some challenges I had with my summer internship, like being an MBA. Um, I felt a little bit old a lot of the times. So the PNG hires a ton of undergrads. They hire they hire like thirty five interns, and the majority are undergrads. Three of us were MBAs. Um, so separating myself um, from kind of what the, the clickiness that happened in the in that group um, was helpful for me too, and making that conscious decision. Um, in a flex workspace as well, um, and being able to sit wherever you want. Sometimes it was hard to find my team, so making a conscious effort to actually go find where my team was and sit with them um, to develop those connections I think was helpful, um, and kind of showing up well in terms of making sure I hit all my project deliverables. If I said I was going to do something, I did it. Um, if I was having issues, I talked to people about it. I remember my very first project, um, my boss, um, who was a senior assistant brand manager, was like, Keely, you need numbers on this. And I was like, how do I get those, though? And I was supposed to be delivering my project in two days. And I like realized that I needed more time. And I just went to my brand manager and I said, I really want to make this awesome. And I want to hit my deadlines. But I need more days to be able to get the actual values for how much the search is going to cost with Google and how much doing this is going to cost with the agency for print and production. Uh, and she was like, thank you for telling me. Um, and that's no problem. And I moved it out a week. But I think raising that to her a few days before I was delivering it versus the day I was supposed to deliver it made a big difference in showing that I could manage timelines and projects. And then I delivered every project on time after that, too. So making sure you're little things like that, you're not going to make a big impact, but showing that you can do things when you say you're going to do them um, and get a good quality, you do have control over in those four months. And uh, also, it's very important you touched upon this is mm -hmm. communication, right? It's not, uh, sometimes they, they, they will understand if you can't deliver something by a, a specific date, but they will understand if you gave them a heads up, if you gave them, uh, it's not, not, not that much about why, but what are you doing to make sure that's going to happen for the second deadline. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, that's totally fair. I knew what I needed to do. I just, 
if it was in my own control, I could have had it done in two days, but because I needed stuff from, from agencies, it was going to take longer than two days. So being clear about what I was going to do and why I had run into that barrier, um, I think was really, really helpful. And just like with school, it's, it's not helpful if you tell someone the day of that it's not going to happen, but two days before you can, you can work with that. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, a big thing I found, and my manager definitely communicated this to me, is kind of taking initiative and having confidence in yourself. You know, when you first get there, you'll be sitting in a meeting with people who have 30 years experience and you think that the best thing to do is just to sit there quietly and absorb everything. But what you don't realize is that they actually want your input. You know, you bring a different perspective. You haven't kind of been molded by the company yet. You are just coming out of school. You've learned some, you know, cool theoretical things there. They want you to jump in and give your ideas um, in front of very senior people. So I think that's that's a very tough kind of hurdle to, to overcome because, you know, there's going to be a lot of self-doubt. But I think that once you do that and you realize, you know, I do have something to contribute here, there's a reason they hired me, um, that goes a long way. So I think that that's a really important thing. And then I think also to echo what Keeley said, just, you know, sometimes you'll be given a project and it's not doable in the timeline they've given you. A lot of times for reasons out of your control, that's, I mean, that's a huge thing with brand management. You're working with so many stakeholders that there's a lot of stuff that isn't out of your that's out of your control, and you're just trying to juggle everything. Um, and it's about communicating that and not surprising anyone. You know, you, the last thing you want to do is go to your manager the day of when they were gonna, you know, go present it to a director and say, yeah, it's not ready. So you want to give a ton of heads up. But again, I, I think um, leadership is a huge thing, and that touches on both those things, whether it's taking initiative or giving a heads up about project deadlines, uh, comes back to, to, to leadership. Okay, so on that note, uh, thank you both so much for joining us today, David and Kili. Uh, a ton of great advice. I'm sure the students will benefit a lot from them, and best of luck with uh, your new careers. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. This is Rotman Marketing Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at Rotman Marketing. Until next time.